0: This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, chapter 28 By and by, it was getting up time. So I come down the ladder and started for downstairs, but as I come to the girls' room the door was open, and I see Mary Jane settin' by her old hair trunk, which was open, and she'd been packin' things in it, gettin' ready to go to England. But she had stopped now with a folded gown in her lap, and had her face in her hands, crying. I felt awful bad to see it. Of course anybody would. I went in there and says— Miss Mary Jane, you can't a-bear to see people in trouble, and I can't, most always. Tell me about it. So she done it. And it was the niggers. I just expected it. She said the beautiful trip to England was most about spoiled for her. She didn't know how she was ever going to be happy there, knowing the mother and the children weren't ever going to see each other no more and then busted out bitterer than ever and flung up her hands and says oh dear dear to think they ain't ever going to see each other any more but they will and inside of two weeks and i know it says i laws it was out before i could think and before i could budge she throws her arms around my neck and told me to say it again say it again say it again I see I had spoke too sudden and said too much, and was in a close place. I asked her to let me think a minute, and she sat there very impatient and excited and handsome, but looking kind of happy and eased up, like a person that's had a tooth pulled out. So I went to studying it out. I says to myself, I reckon a body that ups and tells the truth when he is in a tight place is taking considerable many risks— though I ain't had no experience, and can't say for certain. But it looks so to me, anyway, and yet here's a case where I'm blessed if it don't look to me like the truth is better and actually safer than a lie. I must lay it by in my mind, and think it over some time or other. It's so kind of strange and unregular. I never seen nothing like it. Well, I says to myself at last, I'm a goin' to chance it. I'll up and tell the truth this time, though it does seem most like settin' down on a keg of powder and touchin' it off just to see where you'll go to. Then I says, Miss Mary Jane, is there any place out of town a little ways where you could go and stay three or four days?" Yes, Mr. Lothrop's. Why? Never mind why yet. If I tell you how I know the niggers will see each other again inside of two weeks here in this house, and prove how I know it, will you go to Mr. Lothrop's and stay four days?' Four days,' she says. "'I'll stay a year.' "'All right,' I says. "'I don't want nothing more out of you than just your word. I'd rather have it than another man's kissed the Bible.' She smiled and reddened up very sweet, and I says, "'If you don't mind it, I'll shut the door.' and bolt it. Then I come back and sat down again and says, Don't you holler. Just set still and take it like a man. I got to tell the truth, and you want to brace up, Miss Mary, because it's a bad kind and going to be hard to take, but there ain't no help for it. (sighs) These uncles of Yorn ain't no uncles at all. They're a couple of frauds regular dead-beats. There, now we're over the worst of it, you can stand the rest and easy. It jolted her up like everything, of course, but I was over the shoal-water now, so I went right along, her eyes a-blazin' higher and higher all the time, and told her every blame thing, from where we first struck that young fool goin' up to the steamboat, clear through to where she flung herself on to the King's breast at the front door, AND HE KISSED HER SIXTEEN OR SEVENTEEN TIMES. AND THEN UP SHE JUMPS WITH HER FACE afire FIRE LIKE SUNSET, AND SAYS, THE BRUTE! COME, DON'T WASTE A MINUTE, NOT A SECOND! WE'LL HAVE THEM TARRED AND FEATHERED AND FLUNG IN THE RIVER! SAYS I. CERTAINLY. BUT DO YOU MEAN BEFORE YOU GO TO MR. Lothrop's SIR? OH! SHE SAYS. WHAT AM I THINKING ABOUT? SHE SAYS, AND SIT RIGHT DOWN AGAIN. "'Don't mind what I said. Please don't. You won't now, will you?' Laying her silky hand on mine in that kind of a way that I said I would die first. "'I never thought. I was so stirred up,' she says. "'Now go on, and I won't do so any more. You tell me what to do, and whatever you say, I'll do it.' "'Well,' I says.' IT'S A ROUGH GANG, THEM TWO FRAUDS, AND I'M FIXED SO I'VE GOT TO TRAVEL WITH THEM A WHILE LONGER, WHETHER I WANT TO OR NOT. I'D RATHER NOT TELL YOU WHY, AND IF YOU WAS TO BLOW ON THEM, THIS TOWN WOULD GET ME OUT OF THEIR CLAWS, AND I'D BE ALL RIGHT, BUT THERE'D BE ANOTHER PERSON THAT YOU DON'T KNOW ABOUT WHO'D BE IN BIG TROUBLE. WELL, WE GOT TO SAVE HIM, HAIN'T WE? OF COURSE. WELL, THEN, WE WON'T BLOW ON THEM. Sayin' them words put a good idea in my head. I see how maybe I could get me and Jim rid of the frauds, get them jailed here and then leave. But I didn't want to run the raft in the daytime without anybody aboard to ask her questions but me, so I didn't want the plan to begin work until pretty late tonight. I says, Miss Mary Jane, I'll tell you what we'll do, and you won't have to stay at Mister Lothrop so long nuther. How fur is it? A little short of four miles, right out in the country, back here.' "'Well, that'll answer. Now you go along out there, and lay low till nine or half-past tonight, and then get them to fetch you home again. Tell them you've thought of something. If you get here before eleven, put a candle in this window, and if I don't turn up, wait till eleven, and then if I don't turn up, it means I'm gone and out of the way and safe.' then you come out and spread the news around, and get these beats jailed. Good, she says, I'll do it. And if it just happens so that I don't get away, but get took up along with them, you must up and say I told you the whole thing beforehand, and you must stand by me all you can. Stand by you! Indeed I will. They shan't touch a hair of your head she says and i see her nostrils spread and her eyes snap when she said it too if i get away i shan't be here i says to prove these rapscallions ain't your uncles and i couldn't do it if i was here i could swear they was beats and bummers that's all though that's worth something well there's others can do that better than what i can and there people that ain't going to be doubted as quick as i'd be I'll tell you how to find them. Give me a pencil and a piece of paper. There. Royal. Nonsuch. Bricksville. Put it away, and don't lose it. When the Court wants to find out something about these two, let them send up to Bricksville and say they've got the men that played the Royal Nonsuch, and ask for some witnesses, while you'll have that entire town down here before you can hardly wink, Miss Mary and they'll come a-boilin' too.' I judge we had got everything fixed about right now, so I says, "'Just let the auction go right along, and don't worry. Nobody don't have to pay for the things they buy till a whole day after the auction, on accounts of the short notice, and they ain't goin' out of this till they get that money, and the way we've fixed it the sale ain't going to count, and they ain't goin' to get no money.' "'It's just like the way it was with the niggers. "'It warn't no sale, and the niggers will be back before long. "'Why, they can't collect the money for the niggers yet. "'They're in the worst kind of a fix, Miss Mary.' "'Well,' she says, "'I'll run down to breakfast now, "'and then I'll start straight for Mr. Lothrop's.' "'Deed that ain't the ticket, Miss Mary Jane,' I says. "'By no manner of means go before breakfast.' Why? What did you reckon I wanted you to go at all for, Miss Mary? Well, I never thought, and come to think, I don't know. What was it? Why, it's because you ain't one of these leather-faced people. I don't want no better book than what your face is. A body can set down and read it off like coarse print. Do you reckon you can go and face your uncles when they come to kiss you good morning and never—there, there, there, don't— "'Yes, I'll go before breakfast. I'll be glad to. And leave my sisters with them?' "'Yes, never mind about them. They've got to stand it yet a while. They might suspicion something if all of you was to go. I don't want you to see them, nor your sisters, nor nobody in this town. If a neighbour was to ask how is your uncles this morning, your face would tell something. No, you go right along, Miss Mary Jane, and I'll fix it with all of them.' I'll tell Miss Susan to give your love to your uncles, and say you've went away for a few hours for to get a little rest and change, or to see a friend, and you'll be back to-night, or early in the morning.' "'Gone to see a friend is all right, but I won't have my love given to them.' "'Well, then, it shan't be.' It was well enough to tell her so. No harm in it. It was only a little thing to do, and no trouble and it's the little things that smooths people roads the most down here below. It would make Mary Jane comfortable, and it wouldn't cost nothing. Then I says, There's one more thing. That bag of money. Well, they've got that, and it makes me feel pretty silly to think how they got it. No, you're out there. They hain't got it. Why, who's got it? I wish I knowed, but I don't. I had it because I stole it from them, and I stole it to give it to you, and I know where I hid it, but I'm afraid it ain't there no more. I'm awful sorry, Miss Mary Jane, I'm just as sorry as I can be, but I done the best I could. I did honest. I come nigh getting caught, and I had to shove it into the first place I come to and run, and it warn't a good place. Oh stop blaming yourself. It's too bad to do it and I won't allow it.' "'You couldn't help it? It wasn't your fault. Where did you hide it?' "'I didn't want to send her thinking about her troubles again, and I couldn't seem to get my mouth to tell her what would make her see that corpse lying in the coffin with that bag of money on his stomach. So for a minute I didn't say nothing. Then I says—' "'I'd rather not tell you where I put it, Miss Mary Jane, if you don't mind letting me off.' But I'll write it for you on a piece of paper, and you can read it along the road to Mr. Lothrop's if you want to. Do you reckon that'll do?" Oh, yes. So I wrote. I put it in the coffin. It was in there when you was crying there away in the night. I was behind the door, and I was mighty sorry for you, Miss Mary Jane." It made my eyes water a little to remember her crying there, all by herself, in the night and them devils lying there right under her own roof, shamin' her and robbin' her, and when I folded it up and give it to her, I see the water comin' to her eyes, too. And she shook me by the hand hard, and says, Good-bye. I'm going to do everything just as you've told me, and if I don't ever see you again, I shan't ever forget you, and I'll think of you all many and many a time, and I'll pray for you, too and she was gone. Pray for me! I reckoned if she'd knowed me, she'd take a job that was more nearer her size. But I bet she done it just the same. She was just that kind. She had the grit to pray for Judas if she took the notion. There weren't no back-down to her, I judge. You may say what you want to, but in my opinion she had more sand in her than any girl I ever see. In my opinion she was just full of sand. It sounds like flattery, but it ain't no flattery, and when it comes to beauty and goodness too, she lays over them all. I hain't ever seen her since that time that I see her go out that door. No, I hain't ever seen her since, but I reckon I've thought of her a many and a many a million times, and of her saying she would pray for me. AND IF EVER I'D A THOUGHT IT WOULD DO ANY GOOD FOR ME TO PRAY FOR HER, BLAMED IF I WOULDN'T a DONE IT, OR BUST. WELL, MARY-JANE, SHE LIT OUT THE BACK WAY, I RECKON, BECAUSE NOBODY SEE HER GO. WHEN I STRUCK SUSAN and THE HAIRLIP, I SAYS, WHAT'S THE NAME OF THEM PEOPLE OVER ON t'other OTHER SIDE OF THE RIVER THAT YOU ALL GOES TO SEE SOMETIMES? THEY SAYS, THERE'S SEVERAL, BUT IT'S THE PROCTOR'S MAINLY. That's the name I says I most forgot it, well, Miss Mary Jane, she told me to tell you she's gone over there in a dreadful hurry, one of them sick, which one I don't know, leastways I kind of forget, but I thinks it's six alive. I hope it ain't Hannah. I'm sorry to say it, I says, but Hannah's the very one. "'My goodness! And she's so well only last week! Is she took bad. "'It ain't no name for it. They sit up with her all night,' Miss Mary Jane said, "'and they don't think she'll last many hours.' "'Only think of that now. What's the matter with her?' "'I couldn't think of anything reasonable, right off that way. So I says, "'Mumps!' "'Mumps, your granny, they don't set up with people that's got the mumps!' They don't, don't they? You better bet they do with these mumps. These mumps is different. It's a new kind," Miss Mary Jane said. How's it a new kind? Because it's mixed up with other things. What other things? Well, measles, and whooping cough, and erysipelas and consumption, and yellow janders, and brain fever, and I don't know what all. My land! And they call it the mumps that's what miss mary jane said well what in the nation do they call it the mumps for why because it is the mumps that's what it starts with well there ain't no sense in it a body might stump his toe and take poison and fall down the well and break his neck and bust his brains out and somebody come along and ask what killed him and some numbskull up and say why he stumped his toe would there be any sense in that no and there ain't no sense in this another is it catchin'? is it catchin'? why how you talk is a harrow catching in the dark if you don't hitch on to one tooth you're bound to on another ain't you and you can't get away with that tooth without fetchin' the whole peril along can you Well, these kind of mumps is a kind of a harrow, as you may say, and it ain't no slouch of a harrow nuther. you come to get it hitched on good. "'Well, it's awful, I think,' says the hare lip "'I go to Uncle Harvey and—' "'Oh, yes,' I says. "'I would. "'Of course I would. "'I wouldn't lose no time. "'Well, why wouldn't you? "'Just look at it a minute, and maybe you can see.' Can't your uncles oblige to get along home to England as fast as they can? And do you reckon they'd be mean enough to go off and leave you, to go all that journey by yourselves? You know they'll wait for you. So fur, so good. Your uncle Harvey's a preacher, ain't he? Very well, then. Is a preacher going to deceive a steamboat clerk? Is he going to deceive a ship clerk? So as to get them to let Miss Mary Jane go aboard? Now you know he ain't. What will he do, then? Why, he'll say, It's a great pity, but my church matters has got to get along the best way they can, for my niece has been exposed to the dreadful pluribus una mumps, and so it's my bounden duty to set down here and wait the three months it takes to show on her if she's got it. But never mind, if you think it's best to tell your uncle Harvey— Shucks and stay fool around here when we could all be having good times in England whilst we was waiting to find out whether Mary Jane's got it or not? Why you talk like a muggins? Well anyway, maybe you better tell some of the neighbors. Listen at that now. You do beat all for natural stupidness. Can't you see that they go and tell? There ain't no way but just to not tell anybody at all. Well, maybe you're right. Yes, I judge you are right. But I reckon we ought to tell Uncle Harvey she's gone out a while, anyway, so he won't be uneasy about her. Yes, Miss Mary Jane, she wanted you to do that. She says, tell them to give Uncle Harvey and William my love and a kiss, and say I've run over the river to see Mr. Miss. What is the name of that rich family your Uncle Peter used to think so much of? I mean the one that... "'Why, you must mean the Apthorts, ain't it?' "'Of course. Bother them kinds of names. A body can't ever seem to remember them half the time, somehow.' "'Yes,' she said. Says she has to run over for to ask the Apthorts to be sure and come to the auction and buy this house, because she allowed her Uncle Peter would rather they had it than anybody else. And she's going to stick to them till they say they'll come. And then, if she ain't too tired—' SHE'S COMING HOME, AND IF SHE IS, SHE'LL BE HOME IN THE MORNING ANYWAY. SHE SAID, DON'T SAY NOTHING ABOUT THE PROCTORS, BUT ONLY ABOUT THE APTHORPS, WHICH BE PERFECTLY TRUE, BECAUSE SHE IS GOING THERE TO SPEAK ABOUT THEIR BUYING THE HOUSE. I KNOW IT BECAUSE SHE TOLD ME SO HERSELF. ALL RIGHT, THEY SAID, AND CLEARED OUT TO LAY FOR THE UNCLES, AND GIVE THEM THE LOVE AND THE KISSES, AND TELL THEM THE MESSAGE. EVERYTHING WAS ALL RIGHT NOW. The girls wouldn't say nothin' because they wanted to go to England, and the king and the duke would rather Mary Jane was off workin' for the auction than around in reach of Doctor Robinson. I felt very good. I judged I had done it pretty neat. I reckon Tom Sawyer couldn't have done it no neater himself. Of course, he would have thrown more style into it, but I can't do that very handy, not being brung up to it. Well. They held the auction in the public square, along towards the end of the afternoon, and it strung along, and strung along, and the old man he was on hand and looking his level poisonous up there alongside of the auctioneer, and chipping in a little scripture now and then, or a little goody-goody saying of some kind, and the duke he was around goo gooin for sympathy all he knowed how, and just spreadin' hisself generally. But by-and-by the thing dragged through, everything was sold, everything but a little old triflin' lot in the graveyard. So they got to work that off. I never seen such a giraffe as the King was for wanted to swallow everything. Well, whilst they was at it a steamboat landed, and in about two minutes up comes a crowd a-whooping and yelling and laughing and carrying on and singing out, "'Here's your opposition line!' Here's your two sets heirs to old Peter Wilkes, and you pays your money, and you takes your choice. End of chapter